Hey, this is Abhi. And this is Faria. Welcome to the Manmukti Podcast, where we speak up about South Asian mental health. We're here to connect you with mental health professionals and those with lived experiences of mental illness. Installment of our two-part episode, we continue with Buddy Tangalamudi and Abhiravi Nutala speaking with Dr. Gursharan Virti. This time, we'll learn about the research Gursharan has found that illuminates the major mental health issues plaguing South Asians and her thoughts on stigma in the South Asian community. Let's continue where we left off. What have been kind of some of the, I guess, like when talking to other people or presenting the research or, or just encountering it and encountering it in general, what are some of the main most pertinent things that you find in regards to South Asian mental health? Yeah, so my um, my research uh, to date has focused on South Asians with psychosis. And it was a large qualitative study um, here in Toronto where we worked with people with a diagnosis of um, psychosis uh, we worked with them for about a year, and we also interviewed service providers and community members. There were uh, 17 in total um, that had worked with people of South Asian origin. And the idea really was to get a, I call it like a 360-degree um, perspective on what life was like for South Asians with psychosis. And, you know, the reason being... When we look at the recovery literature um, and historically who have been the participants of, of these research studies, it's been mostly white men. And yes, that, that's changed in the, the last um, 10 or so years, but you, you really see uh, the absence of um, different cultural communities, um, the absence of women. Um, more and more now we're, we're seeing you know, research with with younger people, which is which is great. Um, some of the research that has been conducted with uh, people from various ethnic and racial backgrounds, what you would often see historically is that um, people were kind of lumped together um, as like a, you know immigrants versus non-immigrants um, or racialized communities versus non-racialized. So really, with this project, we wanted to drill down on some specifics. So it was part of a larger study. So we had people of South Asian origin, Black African Caribbean, and East Asian, as well as um, white European Canadian. So I think it's important to, to kind of share that even though in terms of our ethnic identity there, there are some, some differences, there are a lot of similarities in the way that uh, people of South Asian origin with psychosis experience themselves and, and, and their kind of day-to-day, but there were a, a, a few kind of key areas where the South Asian community, their experience of psychosis and healing was, was quite different. So one of them was uh, this idea of, of collectivism, so the, the role that the family played um, for women in particular, uh, prescribed gender roles and, and what were some of the expectations there. The, the thing that, that as a result of my research that I'm even more interested about is this idea of collective stigma. So when, you know, given that we, we kind of function in this very collectivist way, if one person um, has this diagnosis, how does that then impact on other members of the family or the community that, that kind of surrounds them? So, and the reason that I'm, I'm kind of interested in that is 
there's, there's a lot of effort that goes into kind of addressing stigma um, around severe mental illness, but are we looking at that in a, in a collectivist way? So we'll, we'll park that for a bit because you know, it'd be great to kind of follow up with, with you both on, on what's happening around addressing stigma. So that's one piece, the, the idea around collectivism. The second thing that really came out of my work was the role of religion and spirituality. And uh, when we think of the, the South Asian community quite broadly, you know, we, we do operate in this kind of holistic way, like I think of myself growing up as well. Um, you know, religion and, and spirituality was, you know, a way that in my family, like it's kind of a, a way that, uh, a way of being, essentially. Um, and so I'm, I'm Sikh, but, uh, you know, I hear the same thing from, from Hindu friends, from, from Muslim friends that are, that are of South Asian origin as well. And I think the interesting thing with uh, you know, the participants of, of this work is this overlap with, um, with some of the symptoms. So where, where you know, some of the voices that they heard, some of the experiences that they, they had were um, around religion. Uh, it kind of threw some of that, uh, their way of being, that, that, uh, their, their upbringing. So with, um, with this specific population, where for them, you know, uh, some of the symptoms, there's, you know, for example, the hallucinations and delusions, for some of those, there's a, a religious basis to some of those experiences. And for the people that took part in my project, it really threw their their sense of um, spirituality into kind of a state of flux, essentially, um, and, and that that was very interesting. So, you know, where given that that religion had really been a kind of a guiding force for them in their life, it then became something that was quite distressing. So, how did they then kind of navigate that? The other piece that was connected to religion and spirituality, and other kind of what in, in mainstream services we refer to often as alternative approaches. Um, the, the interesting thing there was that when family was involved, there was often a, uh, a preference to go that route first in terms of seeking treatment um, before going to a family doctor or a psychiatrist. Um, so when we think of how we're designing or conceptualizing mental health and mental illness specifically for this community is, is what is the role of religion, spirituality, and alternative treatments too. And when I say alternatives, I mean things like um, Ayurvedic uh, treatments. Um, I mean, you know, homeopathy was an, another one that, that came up, seeing fortune tellers um, and astrology, which, you know, um, is, is really important to a lot of people of South Asian origin. The other thing that came up in my research were these sort of multiple levels of ex exclusion. So being an immigrant community, what did, what did that mean for the individual, individual having to navigate, being a person of color? Um, so there were these other things that were kind of happening in the community that just, you know, we, we kind of opened with this, but, but kind of created another level of, level of stress, essentially. So there were these kind of multiple um, issues, multiple um, challenges that they were then trying to, to kind of navigate. So it wasn't just, okay, I now have psychosis and, you know, 
my family doesn't want to know me, so I have to find a new place to live and, and kind of cultivate a sense of belonging based on those few things. But it's also, you know, I'm an immigrant here. Um, I am a person of color. So these, and it was interesting because people talked about these as identities. So when we have these multiple intersecting identities, you know, how do we, how do we then navigate those? How do we create space? Um, on the service sector side for people to bring these different parts of themselves um, versus just their, their illness identity. So again, kind of coming back to this idea of how do we in kind of mainstream services create space for people of South Asian origin that have often, not just for the, pe- not just for the specific population, for so people that, that experience psychosis, but broadly, um, how do we create spaces where people can bring their full self? The other um, thing that I, I kind of wanted to highlight that some of those experiences, they're, they're not just specific to psychosis, and I think many of us can uh, can identify with some of those pieces, but it's, it is really that the, the intersection of all of those that, that impacts um, South Asians. Wow. You know, it's interesting. It, I, I'm listening to you talk, and, and I, I, you know, as a South Asian myself, I didn't know all, any. I had no idea of any of the information, all of the information you just gave us. So, I guess that kind of leads into our next uh, topic, which is kind of the elephant in the room about this whole thing: is the the stigma in the community. Mm-hmm. And um, so, so I'll, I'll ask one question. It's a, kind of a two-parter. So, in your okay. opinion. How strong, in, how, in your personal experience, how strong is the stigma? And, mm-hmm. and also, in your opinion, what are the steps we need to take to defeat stigma, mm-hmm. uh, especially in the South Asian community? Yeah. I actually have some evidence that I can cite for this. So this oh, week, yeah, <laughs> it, it, it is from the UK, though. But um, just this week, we, we were able to get a... Um, a report that, that was published in the UK uh, that looked at the level of stigma. So it was South Asians versus uh, British. Sorry, we're not called South Asian in, in England. <laughs> we're, we're British Asian and um, and uh, white British. So these are the, 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 the two um, groups that were compared uh, in terms of the, the level of stigma that they... Uh, stigmatizing thoughts, stigmatizing opinions um, that they have towards people with mental health issues. And they found actually that uh, the South Asian group had significantly higher stigmatizing thoughts and opinions of people with mental health issues. And I am so happy that that we now have that that evidence um, and that somebody is trying to tackle this this issue in an evidence-informed way. Um, that excites me. I kind of want to do the, the same project here to see if you know we, we find similar find if we if we if we get similar findings. Um, I think that you know I previously mentioned you know this idea about collective stigma. So knowing that the, the South Asian community, maybe not everybody, but you know. Um, function in this collectivist way, when we are framing our messaging uh, or developing education and awareness and awareness initiatives, really making sure that the, the messaging is delivered in this 
kind of collectivist way, right? That that um, not it's not just about the language. Uh, it's not just about um, how we're describing it, um, but really ensuring that it's it's embedded within the framework that the community understands and that they operate within. Um, I think the other thing that can sometimes happen with uh, stigma, anti-stigma initiatives is uh, it's, it's often academics and clinicians that are informing the work or, or policy makers, but really involving people with lived experience. Um, and, uh, you know, we look at some of the, the great campaigns that happen um, here in Canada, but, you know, you look at the, you know, the people that are profiled um, or that are leading it, and, and there's not really much diversity that exists. Right? So when we look at kind of the visibility um, of the South Asian community within these, you know, broader efforts, um, we're not really represented. And, you know, pulling on some stats, South Asians in Canada are the largest visible minority community. So there's, there's, there's definitely some work that, that needs to happen there um, at that kind of that larger scale. But really, I, I see... For our community specifically, I see it more as a co-creation. Like it can't just happen. This work can't happen without the voices of people that are that are experiencing um, mental illness. That's that's the first first thing. Um, and I, I know that that might sound odd, um, given that there is uh, a higher level of stigma that exists within the community. But you know, I in the last year or so just locally in, in the greater Toronto area, there have been quite a few um, young South Asians that have, have talked quite openly about their experiences. So, you know, this leads me to my second point. You know, are there in our community some leaders that are, that are already sharing their experiences? And it's interesting because sometimes, and I found this in the UK as well, um, and maybe this, this kind of speaks to the stigma, um, but... South Asian leaders that talk about their mental health, often that messaging isn't, um, it doesn't kind of circle back to the community. It, it kind of goes out, but it, it's a kind of a, a broad message. Um, so again, kind of thinking that through, is there a way to engage South Asian leaders that are talking about their own experiences, but, but finding a way to kind of funnel it back to the community? And um, yeah, but, but that messaging has to be, it has to be tailored, right? It has to be tailored to age. Um, it has to be, you know, in different mediums as well. I think, you know, we, how can we, I kind of keep talking about social media, but, you know, that there's only, there's a specific group that, that access social media. Um, so it's, as a collaborative, we've kind of thought about this. It's great that we have a Twitter account. But when you look at the, the demographics of, of people that use Twitter, um, it, it's different to, to Facebook. So if we want to kind of, you know, target, I'm thinking about my parents or my in-laws or, you know, that generation, like the, the kind of the older generation, they are on Facebook. Is, is there a way as a collaborative that we could, you know, start sending materials out through a Facebook account? Um, so finding ways to, you know, Different, different ways in which to, to disseminate information, using television, using radio. Um, I think here in the, the GTA, there are quite a few South Asian-specific um, radio shows, definitely, and then there are some 
specific programs uh, as well that, that would be open to to um, having people like yourself or myself on, on their shows to really talk about uh, mental health. But again, coming back to this idea about messaging, it's great that we have those avenues, but, but what is the information that we would be putting out there? The, the other um, area that actually I'm, I'm very interested in is um, engaging with faith spaces. So here in, in the GTA, you know, we have, we have quite a, a large newcomer population um, or first-generation immigrants. And for many people, uh, the place of worship is a, a real kind of focal point. It's, it's the, the, the first place that, that people um, want to find and connect with. It's, uh, it becomes a, a resource for them, not just to help build community, but also um, to learn and for people to share resources. So is there a way to engage faith leaders um, and faith spaces to really start having these dialogues about uh, mental health? Maybe mental health isn't the, the term that we even use in those conversations. Um, but but is, there, is there a way? I also kind of think about workplace um, mental health. Um, but again, is there a way... This is specific to here in the GTA. So we have a, a large number of um, South Asian men who are truck drivers. So they drive, you know, across the country and so on. And, um, you know, we, we see them in, in parts of the system, other parts of the, the system, in the mental health system quite broadly. But is there, is there a way to kind of work with different industries um, that where we see this kind of overrepresentation of South Asian factories is another one. So kind of you know manual work as well. Like, is there a way to to disseminate information through those avenues as well? Just coming back to the um, the faith piece, you know, um, I think in in many religions, uh, many scriptures, there are concepts around, you know, well-being and self-care and supporting your community. Um, I know within Sikhism, resilience is something that, uh, you know, is, is really embedded within, within our scriptures. And uh, there, there are ways that we can integrate these ideas into our therapy practice. Um, is, so is there, I'm kind of thinking about kind of with practitioners, when, we, when we're looking at stigma, it's not just targeting uh, communities, but also service providers, right? Like it's, 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 these pieces kind of have to, have, to, have to happen in tandem. So is it also about building capacity amongst um, professionals as well so that, you know, if we're mobilizing our community members and we're, we're addressing that, that stigma at that level, how do, we, how do we then also work on creating spaces for, for our community to be received in the way that they, they need to be received? Um, yeah, I think the other, the only kind of final thought that, that I have, and uh, I, I think this is quite important too, is not to pigeonhole or kind of generalize uh, that, that there's, that everybody experiences this stigma um, because it isn't everybody. And many, many people have found um, ways to thrive and they've, you know, 
I, I think of like my own parents or my, my in-laws that are here in Canada um, and many other people that I've spoken to, there are, there are a lot of stories um, that, that can help provide us, I think, with a, a bit of a roadmap as well. So finding a way to, to kind of to capture those stories and then to share those stories. Um, you know, what were people's experiences when they first arrived here? You know, how did you navigate those things? Um, what were the resources? You know, I think the reason I kind of bring this up, I've been thinking about this um, quite a bit recently, but as a newcomer, you, you settle. But what are the ways that, that you you then kind of build your home here? Um, and, and I think this comes back to that stress piece, right? Just even having to go out and find all these different different spaces, build your community, find work, get established. Like there's, there's just a lot of stress there. But are there stories from people of, of South Asian origin that have done it? And is there a way that we can capture those stories and share them? But the content has to be around what are the, what are the strategies that you use? You need something concrete that people can, can learn from. So rather than it being somebody like myself going in and doing a workshop around like mental health and well-being, can we find a way to, to kind of to, to use storytelling essentially in, as a way to, to kind of build resilience and become more solution-focused as opposed to problem-focused? Um, so that I think those are just some, some, thoughts, some thoughts that I've had um, around what's, what's involved in addressing stigma for our community. Hey guys, if we could take a moment to ask for just a little bit more of your time and love to rate our podcast on iTunes or shoot us a review, we greatly appreciate it. Thanks so much for listening, and if you want to continue the conversation, visit our website at manmukti.org or connect with us on social media. We'll see you next time.